Chapter 8 of The Nightland by William Hope Hodgson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Nightland, Chapter 8 Down the Mighty Slope. Now I went downward very quiet and slow into that darkness, and did make but a cautious way. For now you shall know me truly wrapped about with such a night as did seem to press upon my very soul, and such as you shall never have seen nor felt, so that I did seem lost even from myself, and did appear as that I went presently in unreal fashion, and did pass onward for ever and for ever through everlasting night, so that odd whiles I did make to walk with random, as that I stepped no more upon this earth but did go offwards into the void. Yet was this foolishness of the mind set straight and proper each time that it did come about, for lo, I did kick against an upjutting rock here, and fall upon a great and unseen boulder there, and so was shaken very quickly to a sound knowledge that I trod the hard and actual earth, and had no true dealings with unreal matters. And ever I did go downward, and by this only did I have a guide to my way. Yet, as you shall think, through reason of utter dark I made scarce a mile in an hour or even two full hours, and so grew bitter by reason of mine unableness to go forward with a proper and free stride. But I did think me presently upon a thing that I should do to light my path, and to this end I did make the discos to spin odd whiles, and did look down the mighty slope, the little way that the strange glistening of the discos did show and so fixed my path into mine inward remembering, and would go forward afresh, until that I was shaken once more by the darkness, and would fain to look once again upon the blessedness of light, and make me some knowledge of my way. And truly the light from the discos did seem astonishing great, and this to be because there was so monstrous a darkness all about me there forever and thereafter would I go onward again, until the pain of my stumblings did bid me surely to have that sweet shining once more into my path. And so shall you perceive my going, and sore and miserable was it unto the heart, and like to shake the courage of the spirit, yet in verity I had come through much, and did have intent to give way to no foolishness of thought and you shall well believe that I did make the light not more oft than I did surely need, for it was no properness of wisdom to use the power of the discos, save for mine extremity. Now presently, when I had done this wise through six long and bitter hours, and it being now beyond the twentieth hour since I did last slumber, I sat me down there upon the mighty slope, in the everlasting dark, and did eat two of the tablets, and made the water, and could but feel and hearken whether I did this thing right and that. And when I had eaten drunk I unfolded my cloak and wrapped it around me, and placed the scrip and the pouch under my head, and the discos I took to company me, and so fell swiftly upon sleep, yet did think earnestly but vaguely upon Nani as I came unto slumber. And I slept all but six hours, and did waken very sudden there in the utter dark, and I got me to mine elbow, and did listen very keen. For I had waked immediately, as that something had touched me, or come nigh unto me, and I gripped the discos and listened, 
but there did not even a little sound come to me out of all that night. And presently I had more assuredness that naught did make harm about me, and I sat me up in the dark and reached for my scrip, and did eat and drink there in the utter night, and fumbled somewhat, as you shall think. Yet I was done in a while, and got my gear upon me, and the discos into my hand, and so to my feet and forward. Now all that day I did have a strange unease of the spirit, so that I stopped off to listen, as that my soul told of something nigh unto me that did follow very quiet. Yet did mine ears perceive nothing, and so I alway to go downward again into the night that held the slope. And here should I tell how that in the early part of the seventh hour, after I had eaten and drunk, and went forward as ever, upon my journey down the mighty slope, I did have a very sore tumble against a sharp rock, for I put my foot sudden into a small hole, and this did make me to pitch. And I was utter shaked by the fall, and lay very quiet for a time, for the rock had surely ripped my body but for the armor. And after that I was something renewed of strength and spirit, I made that I should go no more upon my feet, but upon my hands and knees, and thus should I feel the way that I went, and have a less need of the discos, which had not overmuch use to light my way, in that I shone it not often, and did guess more than I did perceive, as you may think. And so I crept all that day, which was a bitter way of travel. Yet had I done many a sore mile thus through the nightland. And when that I had gone downward for eighteen hours, and eat and drunk thrice, I ceased from my labor, and did feel about in the darkness, that I come to a level place for my rest, and so did find presently a place not so bad, and did push and cast away such small boulders as have been like to irk me. Then did I eat and drink, and afterward composed me to my sleep, and had many a thought of Nani, as I did drift unto slumber. Yet also had I memories of the strange half-fear that had been with me all that day, as though something went constantly near me in the dark. And because of this, twice did I rise unto mine elbow and listen, but heard no sound to trouble me, and afterward did trust that I did but fancy, and so came at last unto slumber, that yet was not over-restful, for truly I did listen even as I slept. And when I had been asleep scarce six hours, I waked again very sudden, as I had done before, and had belief that something did be anigh unto me, and I gripped the discos and did hearken, yet was there no sound that mine ears did wot of, neither aught that had power to be surely known of the spirit. And all that day was as the day before, save that about the eighth hour I came near to fall into some monstrous pit in the great slope, but did only fall with my breast upon the edge, and so drew back, and presently did crawl all around it in the dark, and come safe unto the lower side, yet shaken and put more in trouble of spirit than before, and fearful how I should go, for I knew not whether I had come among such things, or whether I had but few to sorrow me. And so you shall perceive that I went over-cautious for a great while in all that utter dark, but did think at last upon a plan to go with more surety and speed. But to this I did need a cord, 
and surely I had no cord upon me. And if a boy be no boy that hath none such about him, shall not the same be said of any man. And this I did think as I searched me, for the sayings of that day had many that were like to this. Yet in the end I did compass my plan, for I did buckle the scrip and the pouch together, and took one of the straps from the pouch, and this strap was long and thin and well suited unto my purpose. Then I fixed a stone into the end of the strap and buckled it there, and after that I cast the stone before me as I went upon my hands and knees, and I did hold to the hither end of the strap, and so was able to have something of knowledge whether there lay any great deepness immediately before me, and this wise to strive that I fall not down some monstrous cliff in the night. And so did I go, casting the stone continually to my front, down the slope. And this you shall think to be a cumbersome fashion of travel, yet was I in better case than in all the time since I had begun to go downward of the mighty slope in the everlasting darkness. And at the eighteenth hour I did sleep, and was waked strangely before the sixth hour, even as I had waked before. And this did put always upon me a new wonder and unease. Yet did no harm seem to come unto me, and I did strive that I have no needful trouble of mind. But that something was always nigh unto me in the dark I do truly believe, yet have I no knowing that it was evil, for it harmed not me. And three days more I journeyed thus, and did never cease to creep downward weariful upon my hands and knees, and the discos I had to my hip, and so shall you know how I carried it. And by this, as you do know, I had been on the great slope six days of utter dark, and did have no wadding but that I went unto some dire and dreadful place, for surely I had gone for ever downward a monstrous way. And here, before I tell further, I must set down how that the cold was much gone from out of the air upon the slope, and the air was grown, as it did seem, very heavy unto my chest. And concerning this matter I should say something, for if I do mind me I have said not overmuch concerning the air of the nightland and the mighty pyramid, for truly I have been so set to tell my story of all that I did truly see and adventure upon. Yet though I have said but little, you will surely have perceived that the air of that far and chill time was not as the air of this, but was thin and keen within the nightland and lay not, as I do think, to a great height above the land, but only nigh to the earth. And as you do know through my tellings, there was a wondrous difference between the air within the mighty pyramid and that which lay without around the base, for upward beyond that I did understand that there was no outward air that any should breathe, and so was all the pyramid sealed in certain wise in all the upper cities for ever and whether it was sealed utterly from the outward air at the base, I do not surely remember, if in truth that I did ever bother my head to such matters. Yet if I be set proper in memory and understanding, we did draw air from the underground fields, but whether they gad any change or newness of air from the nightland, I have no knowledge, and do lament that I have no sure knowing. Yet, as you shall believe, I could surely write an hundred books upon that wonder of the future, and be still lacking in the half of all that there is to be told, and so do I try to have courage to this my task, 
and to have no over-trouble, because that I do tell but a little of a great tale. And here in this place will I set down how that the peoples of the pyramid were greater to the chest, methinks, than we of this age. But yet do I have no over-surety in the matter. For, well, it may be that the reason of this age doth blind within me somewhat the knowledge that I have concerning that, for in verity is it not but a natural thing to believe those peoples to be greater of the chest, so that they should make a proper dealing with the thin air of that place and that time. And yet, as I do strive to make plain unto you, because this thing should be, by the making of my reason, I do the more distrust that reason shall make foolish my knowledge, for even a fool should suppose that which I have told, and the truth may be even otherwise. Yet that the peoples of the upper cities had great chests I do well know, for this was a common knowledge, even as we of this age do acknowledge the peoples of Africa to be of blackness, or those of Patagonia to be of great stature. And by this one thing should any know a man of the upper cities from a man of the lower cities. And because that there grew this difference among the peoples, there had been once, as any could learn from the histories, a plan whereby the peoples should be moved upward and downward through the great height of the mighty pyramid, from this city unto that. Yet had it met with great disfavor, and was put out of force, and this is easy to be seen as the natural way of the human heart. And here it doth occur unto me that it was like enough to be a plan for health, beside of training of the mind, that each youth and maid was put to travel through all the cities of the mighty pyramid, the which did take three years and two hundred and twenty-five days, as I have told before this. For by this plan were they made to breathe the air of every height, and this mayhaps unto the good of their developing, and they also to discover that air which was best to their need. And concerning the air of the nightland, you shall know that there was in all that land no flying thing, because that the air was grown very thin. Yet, as the records did show, there had once been monstrous flying brutes that went over the land in mighty bounds. But this was in a long gone age, and we could but suppose that the records gave truth. And here you shall know that, when the Monstruacans did learn that I would journey through the nightland in search of Nani, there had been some foolish and well-intended talk among them that I take a small flying ship that was in the great museum beside the models of the great ships. For truly this machine was yet sound to go, for it was made of the grey metal of the mighty pyramid that did seem to have no power to cease. Yet, in verity, I had no skill to manage this, neither had it flown through an hundred thousand years, so that none did know the mastership of that art, which did be learned but by a constant practice, and oft made uneasy by fallings that did wreck the machine, as I did know from the book of flying. And, moreover, as I have told, the air of the nightland was grown over weak to uphold such a thing which, I doubt not, had made the peoples of the pyramid to cease from flyings, quite so much as that they did fear the forces of evil in the night. 
and if that there had been air and skill sufficient unto this purpose of flying, yet had I been wicked with foolishness that I should work to be hung upward in the night, for all the evil of the nightland to behold. And though I had gone up some great way, yet the machine had surely made a great noise in the quietness of the eternal night, as you shall suppose. Now, indeed, am I gone weary that I should need to tell so much concerning the air of that time and place, for surely I do seem to make this my story as that I did make a lecturing upon matters of chemistry, and so do I cast about, that I may not bother to tell more upon this matter. Yet in truth a little more of my thinkings and observings had I better set down here, and so be done with it but you shall have patience with me, and know that, had this, my story, been no more than an idle tale, I had been free to make no labour with such matters. Now there doth a wonder come to me why that the road-makers, who were of that far-off age which was before the age of the mighty pyramid, did not fly downward from the upper world into the deep of the monstrous valley, but did instead build a road. Yet it may be that the air of the upper world had grown thin a great age, so that they had truly forgot that once man did have the power to fly. But even if that they did have proper machines to this purpose, surely it were a wondrous and fearful thing to fly downward an hundred great miles, for they surely to have a dread that they never to rise again through so huge a deep and moreover the downward world that was the bottom of the great valley was full of monsters, as was told in the little metal book. And the monsters were very strange and unknown, and foreign to the whole world that had never come unto the deep of the valley. And the valley had come, as you shall mind, when the earth did split, and this thing was, in truth, like to be thought that the same ending of the world which all nations have been taught to believe shall come. For, in verity, when the world did split and burst, and the oceans rushed downward into the earth, and there was fire and storms and a mighty chaos, surely it was proper to think that the end had come. Yet was it, in truth, but the beginning of hope of a new eternity of life, so that out of the end came the beginning, and life out of death, and good out of that which did seem a dire matter and so is it always. Yet doth this go past my first wonder, which did concern the wherefore that they had made not to descend in the things of flight. Yet maybe shall my reason stand to show why this was not. And again mayhap it did chance that some were wild adventurers, and did leap over the edge of the upper world, having to ease their flight certain contrivings, like to parachutes and these you shall picture, as that you watch them to leap, and so shall you see them go downward into the gloom, and you shall see them for maybe ten miles, and maybe for twenty miles, and afterward shall they be lost utterly in that great deep, and see no more of any man for ever. But when the nations became road-makers, and came downward slowly to the monstrous deep of the mighty valley that did split the world, then were they come there by millions, and with power sufficient to fight against the beasts, and afterward to grow back again to an ancient civilizing, and so to the building of the great airships that were yet shown in the great museum of the pyramid. 
And here shall I cease from these thinkings on this matter, for indeed who shall say what did be truly a reason for those peoples and what was their need, and so do I come to no surety by my wonderings. Yet, as you do know, all things do seem verily to go in a circle. For, behold, in time they of the mighty pyramid were likewise held off from the glory of the airships, and so were gone backward a great way, according as we do look upon this matter. And so hath this been the way always, and you shall know who have studied and thought and seen the true ways and goings of life. And now will I go forward in my telling, and here will I set down a sure thing that I did perceive, both by mine ears and by my fingers, for, as I did make clear to you but a while gone, there had come a change into the air as I did go downward of the mighty slope. And truly I was come to a great and new deepness, even beyond that of the wondrous depth where did stand the last redoubt, so that I was afar down and in a monstrous night. And the air here was of a great thickness and abundancy, even as it might be the air of this our age, or maybe more or maybe less, for who may compare two matters with a sure guessing that do have an eternity to keep them asunder? And because that the air was grown very strong and apparent, it shall be, mayhaps, that it was by reason of this thing that the water, when I did make it, did fizz upward in a moment very loud and plentiful, and did boil overward to the earth from out of the cup, and wet upon my hand. And surely this thought did come very keen to my reason, as I did fumble each time of mine eating, there in the everlasting night and lonesomeness of the great slope. And so shall you have knowledge now of this and that thing which did come upon my thought, and of the little and the big wonders, and all shall help something to give unto you the ache of newness and bewilderment that was constant companion unto me. Now by this time, as I have said, I was gone downward ever for six great days, and I did seem as that I should presently come to the middle of the world, for of going downward there was no end. And then, when it did be that I was near ready to believe this, I perceived far off in the deep of the night a little shining that was yet weak and unsure. And I do not know whether I can truly give unto you the great astonishment and pain of hope that did come upon me so that I grew sick in all my being but to behold once again the blessedness of light, and to have help unto my belief that I went not downward to an utter desolation. And I stood upward from my knees, and did look very earnest, and surely it did seem that a light was there afar downward in the night, and again it did seem that I must be plagued by my hopes and by my fancy that there was nowhere any light and then again I did see it very clear, and not to be mistaken, and I had a shaking to come upon me, and I gat me to a run, and made a great and mad speed down the dark slope. And lo, I was not gone any way, but I went headlong, and near break myself, and could but hold my teeth together very fierce and quiet, until that the pain was something gone from me. And afterward I gat me again to mine hands and knees, and went slowly as before, and so for a great hour or more, and did look oft, and alway the light became more plain to my sight, but ever to come and go oddly wise. 
yet did I go for six hours, before that I was come anywise near to it. And by this shall you know how great a space off it had been. And lo, when that I did seem surely anigh unto it, truly was it still far away in the night, and I came not indeed near to it until that I was gone onward again for three hours more. And all that time did I yet go downward into the night, but the slope now did not be so utter dark. Now presently I made a pause, and stood upward to my feet, so that I should the better perceive the light. And lo, as I did look toward it, I heard a faraway sound in the dark, as that something did set up a strange and monstrous piping in the night. And immediately I went to mine hands and knees among the stones of the slope, and kept myself low in the darkness, so that I should be the less plain to be seen did any monster approach. But there came nothing to trouble me, and I went downward of the slope for yet another hour. And all the time that I did go, the sound of the piping grew more in the great eternity of the night upon the slope. And by this time I was come truly near unto the light, but yet did not behold it plainly, for it did burn beyond certain monstrous rocks that stood between. And I went to the left for maybe the half of a big mile, and all the while that I did go the piping made a mightier whistling in the night, and it did seem presently as that the earth sent forth the sound and revelry of wild roarings. And I went the more silent, and later did kneel among three rocks and peered forth for a while upon the place before me. And now, being come nigh unto the light, though yet it was not unhid from behind the great barriers of the uprising rocks, I perceived that I crouched within the mouth of a mighty gorge, and the left side was a great way off, and I saw it plain at whiles when the light did rise. But the light was to the right, and it was so wondrous great that it did make clear to me that a mountain was to that side of the gorge, and went upward into the everlasting night as it did seem for ever. And afar down the gorge I did see the shinings of strange fires, faint and a great way off and so was I come at last to the bottom of the mighty slope. Yet the gorge also to go downward, but not so great. And presently I did go forward again, and so did open the point of the rocks, as the sailors do say. And I saw now that there gushed forth a great blue flame from the earth, and the mighty rocks stood about it, as that they were olden giants grouped there to some strange service. And concerning this flame I was not overmuch astonished in my reason, for it had seemed to me as I drew an eye that the fire and the sound should be made by the roaring and whistling of a burning gas that did issue forth among the rocks. Yet truly, though it did be a natural matter, it was yet a wondrous sight, and set amazement on my senses, for the flame did dance and sway whitherward monstrously and sometimes did seem that it dropped so low as an hundred feet, and afterward went upward with a vast roaring unto the utter height, and did stand mighty and blazing, maybe a full thousand feet, so that the far side of the gorge was lit, and surely it was seven great miles off or more, and yet did show plain and wondrous. And the light did show me the flank of the mountain, 
that made the right-hand side of the gorge to go up measureless into the night. And so shall you perceive that I stayed a while among the rocks that were in the mouth of the gorge, that I should gaze upon this thing. But afterward I looked this way and that way, so that I should have a knowing of the place where I was come. And it was a wild and stark and empty place, as you must perceive. And the far side did be great miles off, as I did say. And everywhere there was abundance of rock and lonesomeness. And before me there went the great and dim length of the gorge, and there were lights here and lights there in a great distance, and oft, as it did seem, the quiet dancing of lights in diverse places, but yet were these gone on the instant, and ever there was a strong and vacant silence upon that place. And presently, after that I had looked once more into the mighty dancing flame, and perceived nowhere any life around it, I went onward down the quiet gorge, and for a great way, as I journeyed was my path lit by the dancing of the blue flame, and oft should I seem to be going but dimly among the rocks, and my shadow faint and long, and lo, the flame would leap, and all the gorge come to a wondrous brightness, and my figure to shorten, and the shadows to be black and strong. And so shall you perceive how I went. And oft did I turn me about to behold the dancing of the great light, for it was solemn to my spirit, even amid so much of greatness and eternity, to think upon that flame and to conceive that it had an utter age danced there at the foot of the mighty slope unseen through lonesome eternities. And this I do tell unto you, that thereby may you have some knowledge of the strangeness and the bitter loneliness of that place, which, in verity, did seem the expressing of all the lonesomeness of my wanderings. And all the time as I did go downward of the great gorge, there sounded the blast of the roaring that was presently afar to my back, and the mountainsides did catch it here and in that place, and sent it offwards with strange and improper echoings, as of a chill piping, or oddwise as hushed whisperings of monstrous creatures, so that I did oft stoop to hide a little among the boulders, for truly I knew not but that some unnatural thing called from the darkness of the mountainside. And for six hours I walked onward thus, and sometimes did I hide, having a sudden fear, as I have told. And presently, in a great while, the roaring was sunk to a far and monstrous piping, but in the end to no more than a far and uncertain whistling, that yet did catch strange echoes in the night. And in the end there was only a quietness. And yet, as you do perceive, there had been always a silence in that gorge, as I have told, and this to the despite of the whistling. And I do hope that you have understanding with me in this matter, for it was truly as I have told, and there is no contrariness of telling in this matter. Now in all this time that I had walked in the great gorge, I had passed four of the far lights that I did see from the bottom of the slope. And the two first and the fourth were blue, but the third was green, and all did dance and quake, and sent fitful shinings into the belly of the gorge. And there came also from them whistlings, and from the second one a low and strange moaning noise, 
and I doubted not the gas did come oddly and with trouble. And I passed these things with no great thought, for truly they were no matters for notice, after that which I had beheld. Now, as you shall mind, it was surely in the early third of the seventh day of my journey down the mighty slope that I saw the first shining of the monstrous gas fountain, and from that time until now had there passed maybe sixteen hours. And, as you do what, I had eaten not in all my travel since that I had seen the light, so that I was gone to a proper lack inward. And, moreover, it was full nineteen hours or more since that I had slept, and all that while had I labored. And I ceased me from wandering, and looked about that I should come to a safe and proper place for my slumber, and this I saw very quick, for there was dry stone and rock everywhere, and no failing of holes in diverse places to my purpose, so that I was soon in a little cave between two mighty boulders. And here I eat four of the tablets, for truly so many were my due, and I had not been violent had I eat more. And afterward I made some of the water, and it did fizz up in a moment, so that I perceived that but a good pinch made a great cupful. And this I set to the count of the strong and heavy air as I have told, which I did think to have a greater power of chemistry. And presently I slept, having my gear about me as ever, and the discos to my breast. And as I went into slumber, I thought sweetly upon Nani, as I had done, indeed, an hundred times since I was come to the hopefulness of the lights of the gorge. Now whilst I slept, I dreamed that the master-word did presently beat all about me in the night. Yet, as I do mind, I waked not, and because that I continued to sleep I have no sure knowing whether this was truly a dream or an happening and I minded me upon it when I waked. But this was after that I had slept seven hours, and I could have no sureness anywise of the matter, but only that I was come safe through my sleep, though heavy within my head and limbs, as that the air did call me unto a further slumbering, as is like enough. And after that I had eaten drunk, I put my gear about me and the discos to my hip, for I needed both my hands to the task of journeying amid the great boulders. And I set forth again down the half-light of the mighty gorge, and through eighteen hours I made a strong going, save when I did pause at the sixth and twelfth hours to my needing. And by the eighteenth hour was come I was very ready to my food and slumber, and presently I was asleep in a place of the rocks and that day had I passed three and twenty of the dancing gas-fires, and five been like a white fire, but the others blue and green, and all did dance and made a strange and uncertain light within the great gorge, yet was it a peaceful thing unto my spirit that there was truly light, as you shall understand. And I slept six hours and waked, and did want more sleep as you shall think but I eat and drunk and put my gear upon me, and went on downward of the gorge. And at the sixth hour, after that I had eat and drunk, I came to a part where the big gas-fires did cease to dance, and there was a certain darkness upon that place. Yet was it not a proper dark, for there came the glimmer of a flame here and the glimmer of a flame there, 
as that little flames came upward between the stones, and did vanish, and come upward in another part. And so did light and die out constant and forever amid the stones and the boulders of that lonesome gorge, and made a low-spread light, so that it did seem unto me that strange shudders of light beat upward through the dark of that place. And I went onward, and a heavy fume did seem to hang in the air, and horrid gases to come upward from the earth in odd puffings, and anon a light would leap upward beyond the next stone, and afterward vanish, and there would be an hundred thousand such upon every hand running to and for, and afterward for a moment an utter dark, and again the little flames everywhere. So that it did seem I went one moment amid the heart of a strange country of fire, and immediately through a country of utter night. And this was to me strange, and a peculiar matter. Yet, as I do think, the gases did bother me the more, for they did seem as that they were like to hurt mine health utterly. For in verity oft did I seem that I should choke and breathe no more, by reason of the poison that came upward from among the stones and the boulders. And all that time, as they came or went, did the little flames make small flocks of sound in the gorge as they did flash or die, and the sounds did seem, to my likening, as stones cast into an utter silent pool, for they but made apparent the everlasting quiet of the gorge. And afterward I came beyond this place, and you shall see me going very lonesome among the rocks of the gorge beyond. And by this it was come nigh unto the eighteenth hour, and I did find a place proper to my slumber, and did eat and drink, and was quickly gone over unto sleep. And here I should tell how that I had not an over-fear of evil powers whilst I was in the great gorge, for truly it did seem as that nothing that ever did live came anigh to that wild and silent place of stone and rock, but that I journeyed through it alone, and was surely the first thing that did go that way for maybe a million years. And this feeling that was upon me I do hope you to perceive and to take unto yourselves, and thus have an understanding of my heart at that time. And, as you shall know, I went always unto slumber with sweet and with troubled thoughts of the maid. Yet, for a great while, I have been put so mightily to the labor of my way that my heart did suffer less at this time than should be thought. And truly it doth show me how I was drawn unto that one with all my being, that I did surely think so oft and sweetly upon her amid so many perils and matters of horror. And this doth seem something strange to say, when that you do consider that I was adventured unto these same perils and horrors, but only for the sake of the maid. And in six hours did I wake, as I did strive alway to set myself to do, yet was I very heavy and slow for a little, until that I was more properly come to wakefulness. And surely, as I did think before, this was like to be put upon me by the weighty air of the place, but yet it might be that the gas which did float in the gorge was upon my lungs, and also, as you have perceived, if but you have attended my way, the air was grown warm, and oft were the rocks pleasant to the seat, and all of these matters did contrive to make me slumberous. Now presently the gas-fires did cease utterly in the gorge, 
and I looked downward along that great place and saw only a grayness, but above the grayness there was, as it did seem, something of a vague and ruddy shining in the night. And this did wake me to wonder what new thing lay before, so that I grew more eager among the boulders. And later, when I had eaten at the sixth and twelfth hours and gone on a while, I came to a place where the gorge made a quick turning unto my left, and at the end of the turning was a red and glowing light that was very great and wonderful. So that I was utter keen to come to that place, that I should discover what made the shining. And the place where I was come then was very dark, because that I was nigh under the mighty wall of the mountain of the right side of the gorge. Yet above, as it did seem to me, there was a far red upward glowing in the night. Then did I go forward very fast, and presently, in a good while, I discovered that I drew near to a second great turning that went to the right. And about the seventeenth hour I came nigh unto the second great turning. And here did I put caution upon me, and crept for a while among the dark rocks of that place, that I should come unto a sight of that which made the monstrous red shining. And presently I was beyond the corner of the mountain, and did look downward into a mighty country of seas, and the burning of great volcanoes. And the volcanoes did seem as that they burned in the seas, and the country was full of a great ruddy light from the volcanoes. And so shall you perceive me there among the rocks that did all stand upward strange and bold and silent in the red and monstrous glare of the light. And I, as it did seem, the one thing of life in all that desolation and eternity of rock and stone, there in the end part of the great gorge. And I peered forth into the wonder of the light, and was full of thrillings and fancies that I was surely come to the place where the lesser redoubt had been builded. And immediately I knew that this was not so. For sure, had not Nani told how that they were in a land of darkness. And if this be so, truly, how wondrous and dread a way I had yet to go, if that this country of seas and mighty volcanoes stood between. Surely it did seem to me then as that I must wander searching unto the world's end. And so shall you be company unto me there with my trouble and my thoughts, and the immediate wonder and strange glory of that mighty country. End of chapter 8